open and operate uh, on, at some basis during the summer this year. So praise the Lord for that. All right. Well, we're going to continue our study in the <clears throat> attributes of our great God. I don't know if I should share this funny thing with you. Part of the pastor's forum that I am uh, participating in, uh, somebody posted a meme that said, uh, if you were kidnapped and were forced to make a phone call, and in that phone call you were supposed to communicate uh, as if nothing was wrong, but you wanted to give a message, what, how would you communicate to us that you were in trouble? And then in the response line was, that message on the attributes of God by Joel Olstein was so amazing. Okay. Anyway, some of you got that, some of you didn't. But yes, uh, the attributes of God. We continue to study the attributes of our amazing God. He truly is an awesome God. And when we think about all of the things that we have looked at so far, uh, describing the very character, the very nature of our God, we ought to actually bow our heads or, or even get down on our knees and, and worship God for who he is. So many times we, we kind of get caught up in worshiping God for what he's done for us. But you know what? The, only, the reason he has done so many amazing things is because of who he is. And we worship him because he is the awesome uh, all-powerful, all-glorious, all-wonderful, all-consuming God, and so many things that we have been learning as we study the attributes of our amazing God. So I'm thankful for this study. Uh, as I said last week, we are coming to an end to this study, um, and so when we do that, uh, we will wrap it up probably um, around Easter time so we can turn our focus and our attention to the, the death and the burial and the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You know, uh, we are in the Easter season. And can I just say that we don't determine the Easter season by uh, the fact that some people observe Lent. Uh, now, I don't have any problem with people if they want to observe Lent. That's uh, something between them and the Lord. Uh, but we don't, ser- we don't celebrate Easter marked by the Lenten calendar. We celebrate Easter because we know that that is the time when Jesus Christ willingly, voluntarily laid down his life on the cross of Calvary and reminding ourselves that that is the only way for mankind to be reconciled to a just and a holy God. You and I were separated from God as was every other person who has ever uh, entered into the human scene. Separated from God, had no hope of being reconciled. And as our deacons prayed this morning, Jesus was battered and bruised and beaten and put to death so that we might have the privilege of everlasting life. And so that's what our focus is during the Easter season. We'll touch on some of that this morning as we talk about the light for every man. Jesus Christ and God is the light. We've, we, we can read and we'll read several of those passages of scripture this morning that remind us that God is indeed light. So we, as we focus on this trait of God, it's a basic trait, okay? It's a trait that uh, although it's basic, it is essential. Without this trait, this idea of, of light, um, we would be in a desperate situation, in fact, it's been demonstrated recently because of the unusual weather our fellow Americans have endured down in Texas for, uh, m- for many days. Uh, several Texans were without power, and so at night, something that we take for granted, we go to the wall, we flip the switch. Well, some of us don't even flip switches anymore. Uh, it's all set to come on during using our smart pl- smartphones and smart plugs and all that kind of stuff uh, at such such time comes on. Or you say, Alexa, turn on such and such. The lights are important. They're imperative. And and more than just for convenience, we need to have light. Um, Perhaps you've seen or read or uh, uh, have come across an understanding that uh, in the end times, well, at least the way Hollywood projects the end to be, there's going to be some cataclysmic event or some war or an alien invasion or something like that, and it's going to destroy our sun. And what happens when the sun is destroyed? Everything starts to die. That's how important light is. Without light, there would be death. And the same is true in the spiritual realm. Without the light of our great God, without the light of Jesus Christ, we would be dead. 
Just how important is light? Well, I read one article that said life is absolutely, or light is absolutely essential to life and well-being. Uh, a writer by the name of Eva Van Strine said in her article called Invisible Health, why we need light for health and well-being, she wrote this, light, the essence of life itself. Without it, we simply would have nothing. It's incredible to think that something we often don't notice simply because it's always present, though not tangible, is the most valuable resource on this planet. Light is the main source of energy for all living organisms. Hmm. Light. We do take it for granted, don't we? Until we don't have it. But thank God, even if we don't have electrical power or electricity to power our lights, we still have the rising of the sun uh, every day. So we still have a, a period of time where we have light throughout the course of the day. We, as you know, we lived in South Africa for uh, several years and towards the last, I don't know, probably last four or five years we were there, we were continually dealing with an electricity shortage and they would have what they called rolling blackouts. They wouldn't tell you. Well, they, they started to tell us when they first started doing blackouts. They said, okay, such and such a time, this area is going to be without power. And then they realized that the criminals understood that as well. They could read that article. And so a lot of, uh, there was an increase in crime at that point in time. So what did they do? They went to what they called rolling blackouts. So nobody knew when you were going to be without power. Just boom, all of a sudden, oh, thank you, ESCOM. No power. Uh, and so... We, even though we didn't have power, though, we could go outside and we could, if it was in the winter, we could be warmed by the, sun, the sunshine. Uh, in, in the summer, we could be, we, we couldn't be cooled, though, because we'd go to the mall in the summer because they had generator power. Uh, but anyway, light was, was a, a, a commodity that people missed when you didn't have the, the privilege of having light, especially if it was dark. Uh, it was frustrating. We always had candles. We knew exactly where the candles were and the lanterns were and the matches. So if the rolling blackout hit at 10 o'clock at night or 8 o'clock at night, we knew how to get light so we could walk around and still do the things we needed to do in the darkness. Light is essential. Pretty important to life as we know it. A study published in the Archives of of Internal Medicine stated that humans need sunlight for vitamin D. Sunshine vitamin D may protect against a host of diseases including heart disease, cancers, osteoporosis, prostate cancer, and colon cancer. Sunlight vitamin D also has other health benefits like protecting against depression, insomnia, and an overactive immune system. It is unlikely, though, that an adult could die directly and exclusively from prolonged darkness. But the conclusion of the article was this. Most likely, a person would become ill and die from a range of chronic diseases caused by lack of sunshine, such as diabetes, high blood pressure, and tuberculosis. So, yes, I would say, according to the author of that article in the Archives of Internal of, of Medicine, I would say that humans need sunlight to survive. In other words, without light in the physical realm, mankind would cease to exist. And as I said, it's the same in the spiritual realm. Without the light of life, we would not die, but we would remain dead because Scripture is already clear that everyone is born into spiritual dead, into a spiritually dead state. We are dead when we're born. I know that doesn't sound uh, like it makes a lot of sense, but we were, I I mean, the book of Ephesians tells us in chapter two that we were dead in our trespasses and sins in which we once walked following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. And then in verses four and five of that same chapter, Paul said, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. How was that light, or how is that life made possible to us? Because of the light of our great God, the light of Jesus Christ that shines into the dark places and brings to us eternal life. 
We're going to read some verses this morning, so they're listed on your bulletin, uh, and I need you to volunteer again. Uh, There's not quite as many as there have been in the past, not because there's lack of verses that uh, we could read about the light of God, but because we did have communion, I wanted to scale it back just a little bit. So there's Psalm 27.1, there's Isaiah 60 verse 20, Psalm 84 verse 11, Psalm 36 verse 9. Isaiah 9.2, Matthew 4.16, Luke 1, 78 and 79, and John 8.12. So Levi, looks like you're going to start us off with Psalm 27.1, if you would please. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I feel fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall be afraid? Okay, so the psalmist exclaims that the Lord is my light and my salvation. He almost equates the two, if you will, light and salvation, and we'll see you can't have one without the other. Caleb, Isaiah 60, verse 20. Your son shall no longer go down, nor shall your moon withdraw itself from the Lord. Will be your everlasting light and the days of your mornings shall be ended the lord will be your everlasting light it gives us the idea that god is a forever light or that we will be with him or in him there is no lack of light praise god for that psalm 84 verse 11 for the lord god is a sun and shield the lord will give grace and glory No good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. What is the Lord according to this verse from the psalmist? He is our Lord, he is our sun and our shield. Now, we've already stated the need for sunlight this morning. So the Lord is our sun, thereby the one that who the one who provides life. Even if there's darkness all around us, the Lord provides light and he provides sustenance for mankind. Psalm thirty six, verse nine, Chloe. For with you is the fountain of life, in your light we see light. All right, that's a pretty interesting statement, isn't it? In your light we see light. Not only is God light, but he causes us to have light and to see the light. It's necessary for us to be able to see and enjoy that light. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwell in the land of the shadow of death, upon them a light has shined. For those in Isaiah's day, there was a glimmer of hope. That hope was the coming of the one uh, who would be the light. And of course, Jesus would be that great light. He would be the one who freed people who were trapped in darkness. Matthew chapter 4 Verse 16. The people who sat in the darkness have seen a great light, and upon those who sat in the region and shadow of death, light has dawned. So as Jesus was beginning his public ministry, he quoted from the verse that we just read in Isaiah, and he claimed to be that great light that the prophet Isaiah was talking about. Luke chapter 1, verses 78 and 79. Did you know there were that many verses in Luke chapter 1? Through the tender mercy of our God, with which the day spring from on high has visited us, to give light to those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. So this is Zechariah talking, John the Baptist's father, and he was uh, going to speak about the the ministry of his son, John the Baptist, and how he would be the one who would prepare the way for the Messiah to come. He described the Messiah in verses 78 and 79 as sunshine and light. Levi, John 8, verse 12. Then Jesus spoke to them, saying, again saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness but have light and life jesus is the light and he will guide those who follow him into the light and guide them to life because of the light so 
light is essential. It's not only essential in the physical realm, but it's essential in the spiritual realm. Well, you know me in songs, and uh, here's another song that you can listen to at your convenience, but I'll share the words with you as we begin to think about light and the power of light, especially when we think about God and, the, and his powerful light. As we read through the lyrics of the song, you'll notice the contrast between light and dark and other things that are at complete odds with truth and righteousness. Ren Collective, by the way. You are the only answer to the darkness. You're the only right among the wrong. You're the only hope among the chaos. You are the voice that calls me on. Louder than every lie, our sword in every fight, the truth will chase away the night. Your name is power over darkness, freedom from the captives, mercy for the broken and the helpless. Your name is faithful in the battle, glory in the struggle, mighty, it won't let us down or fail us. Your name is power, and we could say that the power is synonymous to light as well. Your name is power, I know it is written, hope is certain, I know that the word will never fail. I know that in every situation, yes, I know you speak the power to prevail louder than every lie, our sword in every fight, the truth that will chase away the night. Your name is power over darkness, freedom for the captives, mercy for the broken and the hopeless. Your name is faithful in the battle, glory in the struggle, mighty, it won't let us down or fail us. Your name is power. Listen to this. When you speak, you scatter darkness. Light arrives and heaven opens. Holy Spirit, let us hear it. When you speak, the church awakens. We believe the change is coming. Holy Spirit, let us see it. Your name is power over darkness, freedom for the captives, mercy for the broken and the hopeless. Your name is faithful in the battle, glory in the struggle, mighty It won't let us down or fail us. Your name is power over darkness. Your name is power in the chaos. Your name is power. It's common for us to equate light with power. The same is true in our great God. Because God is light and in him there is no darkness, but there is great power as well, which results in great hope because of the one true God. I'm going to ask you to stand together with me this morning as we read our text for, from God's word this morning. It's found in the great gospel of John, the one that was written by the one who himself claimed to be the beloved disciple. John 1 is the opening of the chapter of the gospel that introduces us to the reason that Jesus came to earth and to his people. Read with me, if you will, John chapter 1, starting with verse 4. In him was life... And the life was the light of men. And in the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. This man came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light which gives light to every man coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who would believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Let's ask God to bless our time together in his word this morning. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we come before you today and we thank you again for your word. We thank you because your word communicates to us all that we need to know about you. And as we have been studying your attributes in the scriptures, we are thankful as we learn more and more about who you are. This morning we're going to be reminded of the fact that you are light. And as you are light, there is no darkness that can be found in you. And we're thankful that your light scatters the darkness that we are so familiar with and that you have delivered us from. We praise you and we thank you for that. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. 
As we read through, I'm not sure if you broke it down in your mind, but in verses 4 and 5, we see the winsomeness of the light. And then in verses 6 and 8, we see the witness of the light. And then as our text concluded this morning, verses 9 through 13, we saw winning because of the light. So let's start off with verses 4 and 5, and we see the winsomeness of the light. You know, uh, John was making a statement here. He wants us to understand that Jesus is the life and the light. The, the opening verses of his gospel, verses 1 through 3 uh, of, of John chapter 1, remind us of the deity of Jesus Christ and the fact that he is, he, is, he is God. Not just God in the flesh, but he is God, always has been God, always will be God. John states things about Jesus that are only true of the one true God. He states that, uh, and in fact, he states it as a fact. In other words, there's no discussion, there's no arguing. He simply states it as this is the truth, this is the fact. He starts starts with the fact that Jesus was in the beginning. Anybody else in the beginning? No. Everything else was created by our great God. Jesus was in the beginning with God. He identifies him as the word, the living word, if you will. And then he restates the fact that he was with the Father when time began. John starts his gospel with the very fact that Jesus is God. And and not just, and I'm not trying to belittle it, but not just the Son of God, very God. That's who Jesus is. Let's start our time together by sharing with you what John was saying here in John 1. He says, you can never go wrong when you agree with God that Jesus is not just the Son of God, but he is indeed God equal to the Father, and with the Holy Spirit. As we think about the fact that Jesus is God and, and, and the Father, they're one and the same, let me remind you that John, what John said in 1 John chapter 1. In fact, I almost used this as my text, but about a year ago when we went into quarantine, I did a series on 1 John, so I thought, let's not jump right back there right away. Let's, let's, let's find another verse and passage of Scripture that reminds us of the fact that Jesus is the light. So in 1 John chapter 1, verse 5, the same John also wrote this. He says, this is the message which we have heard from him and declare to you, here it is, that God is light and in him There is no darkness at all. As we work our way through our text this morning, keep this thought in mind. John presents us with the gospel of the light. You know what's amazing about that gospel? It's the same gospel. It's the gospel that brings everlasting life. Why does it bring life? Because it is light in a dark place. Life is the result of light. We've already talked briefly about the importance of life in the physical world. It should not be surprising to us that the creator of the world built into the world a great illustration of the need for spiritual light. I kind of toyed with an an illustration this morning. I'll tell you what it was because I didn't didn't pull it off. Um, I was going to make some some things, and we've talked about this before, but since we don't use film projectors and we don't use slide projectors anymore, there's not really a need to have... A, a totally dark room. But I was going to make, um, out of the styrofoam that we love so much around here, right, the, 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 the insulation uh, board, I was going to make some coverings for our windows, paint them black, uh, and, and cover up all the windows, close all the doors, and turn off all the lights. <laughs> Why? 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 What would happen if we did that, Caleb? It would be entirely dark. That's why. And then I was going to take my cell phone out and turn on the flashlight of my cell phone. And when I turned the light on around my cell phone, there would be no darkness. And then I was going to encourage each one of you to take out your cell phone and turn on your flashlight. Or if you don't have a flashlight on your cell phone, just let the the, the light of the screen shine upward. You know, I have this, this watch and I, I just started using this feature on my watch. It's a flashlight. Believe it or not, there's a flashlight on my watch. Okay? Um, I, can, I can scroll up, and I can push a button, and then all of a sudden, the screen just becomes bright white. I use it if I don't want to disturb my wife at night. 
But I've told her about it. Now she'll, she'll also use it. But anyway, and it shines just enough light to be able to see if I'm looking for something on my dresser or whatever. I, I, can, I can see if I don't want to trip over what might, the dogs might have left on the floor. Um, it, it provides enough light for that. You see, light, when you introduce light, it scatters as the song said, the darkness. And by the time all of us had our flashlights on, we would have a comfortable amount of light in this room, even though it was completely dark. You see, we don't like darkness unless we're getting ready to go to bed. But you understand that light is essential. We couldn't have had church service in the dark, right? Well, unless I memorized my message and you memorized the Bible so you could know exactly where I was taking you makes it a little easier to have light, doesn't it? Sure it does. Life is the result of light. If we don't have light, we quickly perish. And I'm not talking about some forms of life, but I'm talking about all of life as we know it on the planet would come to an end without life. And I wanted you just to see how dark it really can be, even though there's light outside the building. You know, we expose ourselves as Christians to darkness. And we have to because the world is dark and we have to go into the world to, to live and to be, to be a light. Um, but, but we need to be refreshed and be reminded of the light that we have because of Jesus Christ. And, and let me just say this, lest you think we're going to go down a road this morning that would talk about all kinds of green and I don't mean green the color, but you know, green the political effect. Uh, I'm not uh, in any way a, a green promoter. Okay. Uh, in fact, let me let me say this. I don't think that mankind can destroy the world. I don't think that we can be uh, so careless that we will choke out the sun. And by the way, have you read that there's a famous computer guy who wants to fill the atmosphere with dust to block out the sun? We're talking about being green and he wants to, in his greenness, wants to fill the atmosphere with, with dust so the sun doesn't shine so bright, so it doesn't get so hot and we can cut back on global warming or whatever they call it now. Uh, do you remember a couple of weeks ago? I don't think Texas believes in global warming anymore. And so we're not going down that road, okay? I just want us to, I do want to say, though, that God has called us to be stewards of the earth, stewards of the, of the earth he has given to us and blessed us. Remember what he said to Adam and Eve, uh, and then again to Noah? To have dominion over the earth, to use it as you need to use it, but don't abuse it. So we're not supposed to take advantage of the, the great world and earth that God has given to us. In fact, why don't I believe man can destroy the earth? Let me tell you. God made a promise after the flood. These are the words he spoke to Noah. Or to Noah. He says, While the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night, will not cease. So as mankind, we are responsible to manage or practice good stewardship over the earth, um, and we certainly should do that. But God has promised to keep the earth and the heavens in balance, and because God is alive and because God is light, the earth will remain as he planned it. He is life and light. So as we think about this idea of light, the it's, we want to remind ourselves that in the spiritual world, in the spiritual realm, God is the means of all life. And by life, we mean more than just physical life. You see, all mankind will continue to live after our time on earth comes to an end. You realize that, right? All of mankind will continue to live after, after we die, okay? Um, those of us who know Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, we will live in what is called, well, you tell me, what do we have that will allow us to continue to live? Light of the world, which results in life. What kind of life? Eternal life or everlasting life. Those who do not know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, what do they have to look forward to, for lack of a better term? Hell. Eternal darkness, which is what? Separation from God, separation from light. 
eternal death. Have you ever thought of that? Mankind that, do, that does not know Jesus as their Savior will suffer eternal death in a place called hell. And just in case you think that it's going to be bright from the flames there, the kind of flames that will be in hell are not bright red flames. Fire and brimstone. Brimstone does not produce bright red flames. It will be a place of darkness. No light. Heat without the light. It will be forever grim. Forever. I mean, nobody wants to go there. People joke about going to hell. It's not a place to joke about. So if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, you want to make sure you take care of that before you end up in a place called hell. We understand the reality of life, and God is the source of light, and God won't be in hell, so there will be no light, and there will be no life in hell. There will only be death for all of eternity. What a sad, sad state that is going to be. The blessing, though, for those of us who know Jesus as our Savior, and we have everlasting life, that blessing, we don't have to wait for us, we don't have to wait to die to, to begin to enjoy that blessing. That blessing starts the moment you trust Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. We enjoy this life now because Jesus provided us with the great light that shines in the darkness that produces life that comes from Him. So we see that life is the result of light. We have life because of the light of Jesus Christ. We also see in the text this morning, John chapter 1, that darkness is lost when exposed to light. Darkness is lost when it is exposed to light. This is the truth that many have discovered throughout history. When one goes into a completely dark place, like we talked about, if we covered up all the windows and shut the doors and covered up all, all and turned off all the lights, we would be in a completely dark place. But when you turn on one light, or we expose the darkness to one light, it's amazing how much one light can produce. I think I've told you about going to... Um, the, the caves, Congo caves in South Africa. And you'd get in there and they wanted you to see how dark it was when the person who, who discovered the caves went into the cave the first time. And so they have these lights all around the, the caves. Not too many because they say that the light deteriorates the, the, the cave and it's not good for the stalactites and the stalagmites and all that kind of stuff. But for a very brief period of time in the cave, the, the big the, 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 the big cave, the grand cave, where they used to have concerts, uh, they had lights, and they turned off the lights in the cave. And I'm not kidding, you could go like this and not see your hand. It was pitch black. And they always warned you that they were going to turn the, caves, the lights off because if they turned them off and it was so dark, some people would get really you know, upset because there's no light. But you see... How, how desperate it is when there is no light. And then they turned on one little light that was equivalent to a candle that the guy would have had in his pack with him. And wow, what light there was coming from that one candle. It was amazing how much it lit up the cave. Children sing that song, This Little Light of Mine, I'm Gonna Let It Shine. You and I, when we live in the world of darkness all around us, we need to let our one solitary light shine into that darkness. The darkness, when it is introduced to light, it runs away, it flees from the presence of light. The darkness of our life has fled away because of Jesus Christ. And as we read the word of God, that darkness continues to flee, continues to run away because we are exposing more and more and more light from the pages of scripture. And the fact that Jesus is our savior and the Holy Spirit lives within us, we don't ever have to worry about being in spiritual darkness again. You and I, as children of the light, when we enter into a dark place, you know what happens? Or you know what should happen? The light of Jesus Christ should dispel the darkness in that spiritually dark place. In college, we listened to a song by Andres Blackwood and Company. 
Listen to the words of that song, Soldier of the Light. It reminds us of the need to shine the light we have of Christ into the darkness of the world we live in. Starts off with the chorus, Soldiers of the Light. Soldiers of the light, love is my weapon, the Holy Ghost is my might. Soldiers of the light, fighting for the truth and what is right. Once I was walking in darkness and sin, pleasing myself was my only end. Then Jesus called me, now I'll never be the same, because he let me know this life isn't a game. So with the shield of faith, I'm ready for the fight. I'm proud to be serving as a soldier of the light. Marching all around us, though we sometimes can't see all the forces of hate, the evil enemy. So put your trust in Jesus. Don't you worry needlessly, because if you're one with the Lord, he'll give you victory. So take your shield of faith. Get involved in the fight. Be proud to be serving as a soldier of the light. If you're really fighting on the Savior's side, don't just sit back breezily and take a free ride. So many souls need saving. Don't you turn your head and hide. Love's the only cause worth fighting for, and the truth won't be denied. We are the soldiers of the light. Love is my weapon. The Holy Ghost is my might. Soldiers of the light, fighting for the truth and what is right. You see, because we have the light, we know the truth, and we can fight, and we can stand for what is true and what is right. So as we see this morning, the winsomeness of the light. Let's move on to verses 6 through 8, and we see the witness of the light. These verses tell us about John the Baptist. John was sent by God to prepare the way for the light that was to come. He was a remarkable man, John the Baptist. In fact, we could classify him as a great man, a great man of God. And he had a specific purpose in life. And you know what? He carried out that purpose very well. John, this John that John is talking about, is not the writer of the gospel, but is the man who came to be known as John the Baptist, the son of Zechariah. These verses provide us with a summary of John's purpose and ministry. And you know what? John's purpose sounds a lot like our purpose, to speak about the light so others will know about the light and be able to be freed from the darkness. We're going to cover this section pretty quickly because it's not our main focus uh, of our time together. We see the origin of the witness in verse 6. Where did John the Baptist come from? The text is very clear. John, the the apostle, says there was a man sent from God. His name was John. John didn't just show up on the scene. He didn't arrive by chance. He wasn't there because he chose to be there. He was there because he was sent by God. And that's a good thing for us to remember. You and I, we are where we are because that's where God has placed us. And what do we do where we are? We shine as a light so that others can see through the darkness. We also see in verse 7 the objective of the witness. This man came for a witness to bear witness of the light. John's calling in life was to make sure that the Jews knew that the Messiah was coming. He was, as Scripture declares, the forerunner of the Messiah, the one who was to prepare the way for the coming of the Messiah. And you know what John the Baptist did? He was a bright, bright light showing the Jewish people how dark their established religion was. Showing that what they thought was true and right and what they were being told by the establishment was true and right, it was nothing but darkness. And John shined the light or shone the light of God and the coming gospel to all who would listen to him. What was the outcome of the work of this witness? Well, we see that in verse 8. The outcome of the work of the witness was the, the apostle John, he wants us to know what was the result of John the Baptist's life and ministry. And we read this as we get introduced to Jesus here in John chapter 1. John the Baptist wanted to make certain that everybody knew who Jesus was. If we were to continue reading in the Gospel of John, we would see that John the Baptist fulfilled his objective completely the way God ordained him to fulfill it. Perhaps the statement that best describes John's ministry was when he was questioned about who he was. The Pharisees sent people to him and said, hey, uh, we're, we're being sent to find out who you are. And so they asked him, 
Who, who are you, John? We don't know who you are. And so they questioned him about who he was and what he was doing. And John's reply was this. It is he who is coming after me, who is preferred before me, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to unloose. In other words, he was saying, I'm not the Messiah, because that's what they really wanted to know. John, are you the Messiah? No, it's one who's coming after me. I, I, I can't even untie his shoes. He is such a holy, awesome, amazing person. He's God in the flesh. The very next day, um, the first time that John the Baptist saw the Messiah, reveals to us exactly what he thought about Jesus. You know what he said on that day, right? Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John did his job, and he did it very well. The outcome of John the Baptist's ministry was that people knew the Messiah was coming. People knew that the light was coming that would do away with the darkness. And as I said, if we were to continue to read through the book of John, we would see that John fulfilled his duties, his responsibilities, completely so much so that it resulted in his martyrdom. But even in his martyrdom, he spoke of the light, and he shined the light into the dark place. Well, verses 9 through 13, uh, the last part of our text this morning, talk about winning because of the light. Anybody here not like to win? Everybody wants to win, right? I mean, that's why you play the game. Yes, I know some teams are better than other teams, but every team thinks that when they take the field, they can win. Otherwise, they wouldn't take the field. We all like to win. There's nothing more winning than knowing that God is light. And because God is light, you and I have won. Not because of anything we've done. We didn't even have to take the field. Jesus has brought to us the victory. We sing that song, Victory in Jesus. What a great reminder of the fact that you and I can be rightly related to God is not because of anything we did. It's all because of what God did through his son, Jesus Christ. So as John continues his introduction to the gospel, he gives us an amazing synopsis of what he is going to communicate throughout the rest of the account of the life and ministry of Jesus. He communicates what the light is going to make happen while he is here on earth. Verses 9 through 13, they're worth reading again. Listen as I read them to you. That was the true light. What was the true light? Remember, John the Baptist just got done saying, or or Zachariah just got done saying, this is who Jesus is. And John the Baptist came to bear testimony, bear witness of who Jesus is. That was the true light, which gives light to every man coming into the world. Verse 10, he was in the world and the world was made through him and the world did not know him. He came to his own and his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become the children of God. To those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Hmm. In verse nine, we see availability to the light. This light, the light of Jesus, gives light to every man coming into the world. Um, and, and let me first of all tell you what that phrase is not. That phrase is not suggesting that every person who ever lives will understand, comprehend, and come into the light. Okay? We don't believe in universal salvation. We believe that individuals have been called by God to become part of the family of God and those who respond to the convicting power of the Holy Spirit will and put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Those people and only those people are those who know Jesus Christ and who have eternal life. I really like the way the Bible College Commentary explains this statement. It says, Christ gives light to every man. This does not mean universal salvation or general revelation or even inner illumination. Instead, it means that Christ as the light shines on each person either in salvation or in illuminating him with regard to his sin and coming judgment. So you know what that's really saying? You know what that really means? It's very important for us to understand it. John realizes that because of the incarnation of Jesus Christ, Everyone is without excuse. 
Everyone. You and I, and, and everyone that we know, and everyone that we don't know. Everyone is without excuse. Why? Because of the illuminating work of Jesus Christ. You and I are to be communicators of the good news. You and I are to be ones who share the light so that others will hear and respond. The fact that Jesus gives light to every man is going to be borne out at the great white throne judgment. No one will ever be able to stand before God and say, I didn't see, I didn't know about the light. I, I wasn't aware about Jesus. Everyone who has ever lived, has received or will receive enough revelation, either from creation or even from the spoken word or the testimony of another, will have enough revelation that condemns them to eternity without God into that darkness. The everlasting, or as the Bible describes it, into what kind of darkness? Outer darkness. Not the kind of darkness that any of us want to be a part of. You see, you and I communicate the good news. We spread the light so that others have the ability to respond to it. Not only do we see the availability of light, but in verses 10 through 12, we see the action of light. When light shines, there's always an outcome. There's always a result. The light of Jesus resulted in certain things or results in certain things. Those things include, um, as we were shown in the opening verses of John chapter 1, talks about the creation of the world. And again, John says right here, the world was made through him. Just like Colossians, the scriptures teach us that Jesus was the agent of creation. Jesus created the world. Even though he made the world, even though he is the one who is the creator of the world, he came to his own, he came to the world, and what did the world do? They rejected him. They will, if you will allow me the little liberty here, they turned off the light. In fact, some of them even tried to break the light. They didn't want anything to do with the light. He came to his own. But his own would not, did not know him or accept him. Even though he is the creator, you would have thought being living, thinking beings, they would have known and understood. Here's the creator standing among us, God in the flesh. Because it was promised, it was predicted, it was guaranteed that it would happen. But when they saw him, uh uh-uh, we don't want him. You know why they didn't want him? Because he didn't fit their mold. He wasn't who they wanted their Messiah to be. You see, the psalmist, Isaiah, they all talk about the suffering that the Messiah would endure and the fact that he would die. Jesus coming and dying on the cross was not a second plan. It wasn't the alternate choice. It was outlined in eternity past that Jesus would come because of the sin of mankind and die on the cross. God didn't have to come up with, "Uh uh-oh, what do we do now because man sinned in the garden? God knew it would happen. And in eternity past, he planned to send his son. So when Jesus came, he was fulfilling all of the prophecies, not just the prophecy of a Messiah who would come to deliver the people and their hopes be a king. That's still going to happen. He's still going to come, and he's still going to literally rule and reign from, his, from the throne of David. Okay, But right now, his first coming, he came as the Messiah. He offered the kingdom. They didn't want him to be their Messiah. Because he didn't look like what they thought Messiah would look like. The conqueror on a horse defeating the Roman Empire. You know, it's really sad. Times haven't changed. Thinking hasn't changed that much. Why do people reject Jesus today? Because he doesn't fit their mold. He's not who they want him to be. They want him to be the panacea. They want him to be the one who fixes everything, makes life easier. Jesus was never, the Messiah was never presented that way. Jesus, the thing he fixes is sin. And when sin is dealt with, it it helps us understand how to do life the way God wants us to do life. 
Even though he was the creator of the world, even though he came to his own, his own did not receive him. That's the first action, coming to his own. Another action that we see is uh, that the light came in verse 12. He came and he gave those who did receive him the right to become children of God. That's where you and I say, hallelujah, praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for making us children of the light, for making us children of God. Jesus, the light, gives us the right to become the children of God, not because of anything that we have done, but all because of what he has done. Becoming a child of God means that one has eternal life from the moment they put their Trust in Jesus Christ as their Savior. They have new life. They have eternal life. Shared that with somebody this week, this week and, and shared with them that in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, the old things are passing away. Behold, everything has become new. New life makes you a new creature. And as a result of the light, what do we get to do because we are new creatures? What does light cause to every living thing? It causes growth. As a result of the light of Christ, we can grow in Christ. Well, let's carry on with verse 13 as we close out our thoughts this morning. We see the acquisition of the light. How does this life come about? Another thing about the light is that the light reveals facts. I don't know about you, but the older I get, the more light I need to read I'll sit down and I'll start to read something and I can't really quite read it. So I'll, I'll, I'll turn to the, to the window so I can see more light and see what is actually there. Light reveals facts. Light reveals the truth. Light points out things that we have missed before. Maybe that's why restaurants make it so dark. I don't know. Um, but if you want the facts, if you want to be able to clearly see what is going on, you need light. And, and God is that light. How does that light come about? Well, here are the facts of, of this light and how we get this light. Those who are born again, John wants us to understand that those who are born again, they're not born again of the blood. In other words, salvation does not come through our parents or because of who our parents were, or because we were born into a certain family, or into a certain uh, religious affiliation, or living on a certain country, or anything like that. Eternal life did not come as a result of being born to the parents that God allowed you to have. We also see that being born again was not the will of the flesh. You see... People are not born again because they desire to be born again. Contrary to a popular movement back probably in the started in the 90s, maybe the seekers. Scripture is very clear. There's none that seeketh after God. There's none that doeth good. Why? Because we're all in the darkness. How can you seek for something if you can't see it? You are not born again because you chose to be born again. You're born again because God chose for you to be born again. And God, was at, God is at work in the hearts and minds and lives of every individual he has called to bring them to a place where they will see and understand and know what true life is all about. John also says in verse 13 that you weren't born of the will of man. In fact, a person is not born again because someone else wants them to be born again. Now, I can tell you as parents and as grandparents, we want all of our children to be born again. In fact, our oldest son, when he was old enough to understand the gospel, refused to accept the gospel. My grandfather passed away, and Josh was pretty, uh, he, he really liked uh, poppy. That's what they call him, poppy. He really loved being with grandpa, sitting on his lap, sitting in his chair, uh, all that kind of stuff. And so when poppy died, we talked to Josh about that. Josh, do you know where poppy is now? Well, Poppy's in heaven. Why is poppy in heaven? Uh, because he asked Jesus to be his savior. 
Why do you have to ask somebody to be your savior? Because of sin. Josh, would you like to ask Jesus to be your savior? No. Like, what do you mean, no? Why not? I, I don't want to do it. We would have this conversation with him on a regular basis. He knew it all. He knew what he needed to do to accept Jesus as a Savior. You want to ask Jesus to be your Savior? Nope. Why, why is the right question? He just didn't do it. It certainly was our will for him to do it. It was our desire for him to do it. We wanted him to be born again. And every time he said no, it was like having a broken heart. Because we knew, Josh, and he knew, Josh, what happens if you die and you don't ask Jesus to be your savior? I go to hell. Do you know what hell is? It's not being with God. Do you want to go to heaven? Not right now. We did everything we could. And until the time was right for him, until God had worked in his heart and the time was right according to God's plan, and one day he came in, uh, we were standing in the kitchen, he came in, he says, I'm going to go pray and ask Jesus to be my Savior. What? I'm going to go ask Jesus to be my Savior. So he went off to his bedroom, he kneeled down beside his bed, and he prayed and he confessed his sins and he asked the Lord to be his Savior. With mommy and daddy peeking around the corner of the door. Yes. Praise the Lord. You see, you and I have people that we want to know to come, come to know Jesus as their Savior. Unfortunately, it can't be our will. Well then, Pastor, how does it happen? Well, John closes out verse 13. He says, but of God. It's not of blood. It's not of the will of the flesh. It's not of the will of man, but it is of God. You see, the light that we enjoy is completely because of God. Here's a thought that reminds us of that fact. A person welcomes Jesus and responds in faith and obedience to him, but the mysterious work of the Holy Spirit is the cause of regeneration. It's all the work of God. It's what the Holy Spirit does in a person's life that we don't understand. We don't even understand it when we have asked Jesus to be our Savior. But the Holy Spirit, the agent of new birth, brings us to the point where we confess and we ask Jesus to be our Savior. And then the Holy Spirit takes up residence in our lives. Again, to God be the glory for the great things he hath done. God is light. And in him there is no darkness. What a great blessing to know the light of our great God. As we read earlier in John chapter 8 verse 12, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. He who walks in me does not walk in darkness. Hallelujah. Whoever follows me, Jesus said, will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Jesus is not only characterized by light, but he is light. He is light. And you know what? Just as a little aside, if God wasn't light, we wouldn't have light because God spoke light into existence. Remember when he said, well, you don't remember, but you remember reading it, let there be light. And out of the mouth of God, at the speed of light came light. It wasn't like I got to put all these, it's not like putting your Christmas tree lights on. You got to get everything all figured out and plug it in. And if you got a light bulb out, uh uh-oh, no light. When God said, let there be light, because he is light, there was light. Wow. That's the power of our great God. So as we close this morning, let's be challenged by the words of John in his first epistle. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, because we are in the light, because of the light of Christ, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. What is the result? What is the outcome of light? First of all, it exposes our sins and then it cleanses our sins. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we come before you 
this morning. And again, we say thank you for the light. Thank you for the fact that you are the light of the world. Thank you that Jesus is the light that brings salvation to mankind. When Jesus was teaching, he referred to the light of the city that is set on a hill. May we be like that light. May we be like the the temple, if you will, in Jerusalem that sat on the mountain. and, And you could see the light of the temple for miles and miles and miles and miles. May our light shine as the light of Jesus Christ illuminates us. As the pages of scripture teach us what is true and what is right. May we take our light that you have given to us. The source of that light is from you yourself. And as we take that light, it illumines the dark places that you send us to bear witness of the light. Help us to do exactly that. Today, this week, this month, and throughout our days as we live here on this earth. May we be the light that shines in a dark place. In Jesus' name, amen.